Turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We're going to look tonight at the background of the law. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's start on verse 19. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come into Mount Zion, and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the just, or excuse me, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling and that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, and I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our god is a consuming fire let us pray we thank thee our heavenly father for giving us another day and another opportunity to enter into thy house to look into thy word we thank thee for all that you blessed us with for the promise of eternal life you know all about our needs and problems we know we think of brother and sister hilly there's also, you know what they need. We just know that you're sufficient to provide their needs. We just pray that you be pleased to give them guidance and wisdom, especially Brother Joe also. Guide us as a church in the way of truth. Help us to exalt the name of Christ above every name. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Help us to walk in the truths of thy word. We pray for those family members and brethren that are not in our midst. Keep your protective hands upon them. Grant repentance and faith to them that are lost. Help us to honor thee in our lives, in our hearts, and in actions. Pray these things be according to thy will. Grant us the seeing eye and the hearing ear. Grant me the words to speak, that thy name be glorified. For it's in Christ's name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask, and amen. We think about the law, 
exactly what is it? Is it just a series of things that if you keep them, you're doing good. You're going to win. No, it's not, not. That's not the law. The law is what God demands. He demands perfection. Israel, they wanted this God. As ask anybody, they want want to make it to heaven. Then when you see the law's righteous demands, man, I can't keep that. We think about the Jews there in chapter 13, verse 10 of the same book of Hebrews. We have an altar where they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. We're talking about grace. The thing about the law, it's the backdrop of grace, actually. Let's say the Jews were faring well down in Egypt. Life was good. Everything was exactly the way they wanted. They weren't slaves. They wouldn't be interested in being let out in the promised land. No, but they were slaves to the grave 24-7. Look at what happened when Moses goes out and sees one being one of his brethren being smitten by an Egyptian. Of course, he slew him. That was what they were dealing with under the rigors of slavery. They were in what's called the iron furnace. They were abused, tortured. In uh, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, like I say, the thing about the law is it's a great backdrop for grace. Exodus 5, 1, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Well, that that happens. Turn over to Exodus 19. Chapter 19, verse 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. That ain't happened too often. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up to the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. There shall not a, shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, and they come up to the mountain. Now, interesting thing about that trumpet, they had Israel were given orders to make a trumpet, but not yet at that time. What trumpet was that? That's what we just wrote, read about over there in Hebrews chapter 12. That's the same trumpet we're waiting for the sound. That's the trumpet of God. Sounds like an interesting endeavor. They wanted to meet God. Well, here he was. But when they truly seen how holy he was, as we read over there, don't speak to us the word anymore. We're not able to bear it. Yeah, that sounds like that's serious. And of course it was. Very serious. And uh, 
chapter 18 of the book of Exodus, while you're still there, verse 18, Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people. I think it's down at the bottom of the verse. That's not a paragraph I want. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. The Jews were not able to bear that word. They were wise in that. But they made the statement, whatever you said to do, we will do. And, of course, they did not do. That's, that's contained in the law. And as we know, we cannot keep the law. The, the law demands perfection. Of course, that was fulfilled by Christ. Perfectly kept it. Anyway, in, in Romans chapter 7 and verse 10, there's a, I, I guess you might call it a good summary of, of basically what man sees in the law. Now, there are churches, some of them we might call churches so-called, that get up and read God's holy law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 10, what was Paul said? And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. When we see the law as it really is, it condemns us. We, we haven't kept the law. We can't keep it, haven't kept it. Then there's something else behind all of this. We're talking about backdrops here. It had been some 400 to 430 years. I, I think it's 430, I believe. Exactly to the day when God led them out by the hand of Moses. Things had been silent concerning the things of God. They say there was 400 silent years before Malachi wrote there have been other times there have been 400 silent years. Well, guess what? There's been about 2,000, which is a multiple of 400. Or 400 is a multiple. Four or five is 2,000. Four, four times, five times 400 years. I'll get it out here in a minute. It's a multiple anyway. God's holy law... Well, God was silent. That makes that creates a backdrop that when it does, His word does go forth. It take it gets people's attention. That's what I'm trying to say. When Christ came on the scene, Judaism had failed. Here comes a man, heals the sick, raises the dead, feeds the hungry. One they even said to themselves, there's no man ever talk like this man. Exodus chapter 20, which is known to be where we find the law, where the law is contained. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Were the Jews better off with the law 
or were they better off in slavery? Well, now, first of all, they had. there's nothing said about them being saved. They were living in a land that was the land of idols. I mean, that's, that's what God's wrath upon the Egyptians was, is upon their gods. Well, they'd forgotten the Sabbath, it seems. They didn't know the law. They didn't believe the Almighty when he, well, when he told them to go in and take the promised land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What happened? We can't take it. Let me ask myself and us all a question. How well did we come out of Egypt? Have we come out of Egypt at all? Yeah, heaven sounds good, but I just don't think I can measure up to it right now. We find out that we didn't do too good of a job coming out of Egypt either. Neither did the Jews. In the book of Galatians, that verse I was mentioning a while ago is Exodus 19 and 8 and the people answered together and said all that the Lord has spoken we will do and Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord and as we read in our opening statement there in the book of Hebrews they said speak no more we, we can't we can't walk in accordance with it Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the laws to do them. Once you say, I'll do it, you're, it's fixed. Then you find out you can't do it. When we think of God's holy law, one place he gave them the Sabbath, which was a sign between Jehovah and Israel. I mean, the other nations were 24-7, whatever they were. They didn't take a day off. God's people had a day off. They were clean living. That's what they were to be. There was There's great things about the law. In the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 8 and verse 12. If I can find Hosea. Apparently, Hosea chapter 8 verse 12. Because he, uh, because verse 11, because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be to him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Anybody that says that about God's law, they will get they will bear God's wrath. God's law is a good law. When Christ pleads our case before the Father he doesn't, and I've said this many times before, he doesn't criticize the law, but rather that law is good. 
Here's the blood to satisfy its demands. I have written to him great things in my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. That was what happened to Israel. They counted the law to be a burden. There in the... Well, we've done looked at the book of Galatians. The good thing, or what? what is special about the law? Well, the law shows man that he's a sinner, that he needs a savior. And if you, if you don't have the law, man does not know he's a sinner. Man, man would not have written God's law if he would, could have or wouldn't if he could have or couldn't if he would have. The law points to grace. That's why it's the backdrop. I mean, if we look at colors. You have to have a backdrop for a color to really stand out. Diamonds, if you throw through a diamond in a pile of glass, you wouldn't see it. You need a backdrop. Man holds up the law for his justification. Well, at least he thinks he does, but he cannot keep it. So... Man is, of course, by nature, an Arminian and an antinomian. Antinomian, he's also a Pharisee by nature, thinks that he's right, thinks that, well, he worships a God more that kind of suits his own fancy. That's a law of religion. Man worships a God to his own liking. The law shows what God's demands are. Christ provides all the blessings by bearing the, the curse. As the scripture tells us in the book of Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth it shall die. The slave in Egypt is a good example of ourself. That's, I guess, the best way to describe it. When I asked a while ago, how good a job did we do taking the promised land? We didn't. Once again, that backdrop shows what we really are. Churches that claim to boast of their holiness by reading the law, that's it's good. It's God's Word. Read it. But the passages warning the offender should also be read. The giving of the law that we read there in the text in the book of Hebrews, that was a very frightening event. I mean, Moses was afraid himself. Then Christ came, comes on the scene. In the fullness of time, and this was such a contrast... Now, maybe with what we just briefly looked at or made mention of, turn to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. For the, the 17th verse, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What they witnessed there in the in Sinai, in Horeb, some call it, 
was a very fearful event. We find in the Gospel of John, the 6th chapter, the 37th verse, I've used this many times, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness to me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Staying with, as they said, speak no more. We were not able to bear it. Well, they weren't. They they wouldn't have it. They wouldn't have him, this man, to reign over them. Now, which would you prefer? Whosoever touches this mount shall surely be put to death. Or come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, there you have the backdrop. The law could not give peace. The law, it can be intimidating. I've used this illustration before in the game of baseball. There's a thing called a balk. If the pitcher makes the wrong move, runners get a move up. Umpires will get right there in the pitcher's face and kind of intimidate him. Come on, let's see if you can pitch without making a balk. There's many other ways people are intimidated, bullies and the like. The purpose of the law is to show man is a sinner purpose of the law is that every mouth be stopped, silenced. Romans chapter 4, verse 15. I can say, if you see, once one sees the law for really what it demands and requires, grace looks so much better. Romans 4, 15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. I had a discussion with somebody on Facebook. As far as man's salvation goes... Christ taught us to rejoice not that you have power over the spirits, but rejoice rather that your name is written in heaven. What wrote him in heaven? Was it God's grace or was it our works? I assure you our works did not write our names in heaven. That's simple. That's grace, the free unmerited favor of God. He chose us for himself. He didn't have to. Nobody is saved by the keeping of the law. It's by grace through faith. Romans 7 and 6. But now, our, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should not serve the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. And I had not known sin but by the law. For had I not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Like I say, it's a great backdrop. It's what God demands. Then he meets his demands by his own son. For I was alive without the law once, 
then when the commandment came, I sin revived and I died. And the commandment which I which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. This is a great promise. The sin debt is paid for. That is verse 6, the great promise. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held. We should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We're talking mercy, faith, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now that's grace. And a lot of people still look to the law. Oh, you broke the law. Well, of course I did. I'm a sinner. Christ came to save sinners. Many people reject grace today. They think that they have to make a decision. Well, if it's got to be according to their decision, it's not grace. Matthew 22, verse 3. Grace is a... The law is good, but the grace is great. Matthew 22, verse 3. Well, verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. They refused grace. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. Nothing's changed. We know what happened. They made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, other to his merchandise, one to his cell phone, and any way you want to look at that, other to his automobile, computer, whatever. And the room that took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murders and burned up their city. Well, there's still going to be a wedding. It ain't stopping God's plans. One rejects. If we refuse to take the message, you'll find somebody that will. The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you find bid to the marriage. That's kind of us. We are Gentiles, considered dogs. It's the way God plans it. God's plans will be brought to fruition. The book of Zechariah, the seventh chapter, <clears throat> verse 12 and 13. Verse 11, But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, flint, that they should not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Wherefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. That wrath been going on about 2,000 years. Over in the book of James, 
getting back to the law, it's a great backdrop. It points to the only Savior of sinners because only one has ever fulfilled the law. The law is good. By the law shall every mouth be silenced. There is still another law. There is verse 12 in James chapter 4. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. James chapter 2. Verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Now, James was all about the, the book of the law. Law and everything, it was all about works. James wrote this letter to the 12 tribes, to the Jews. They knew what the law was. But Paul who was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. He was the Jews, Jew, the Pharisees, Pharisee. He saw what the law really was. That which I thought to be into life, I found to be into death. There is that royal law. Love God, love man. Verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. The royal law is a great thing. I mean, we think of the, the Ten Commandments, but we don't call it the royal law. The, see, the royal law is implying that its citizens are of royal blood. Well, how can we go to God seeing that we are offenders of his law? He provides a mediator. One that brings the two sides together. The mediator, First Timothy 2 and 5 tells us Jesus Christ, the man, the righteous. Oh, turn over in the book of Colossians. This is what he did. And he reconciled both parties. You see, that's God, man. Man was a sinner against God. God had... God turned away from man. He was alienated. The two sides were 180 degrees apart. I guess is about the best way I can describe it. In the book of Colossians, well, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Now consider the price of all that. 
anybody that rejects such a great salvation, there's not, not much hope for. Over in Colossians chapter 2, and we close. Verse 13, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins, why were we dead in sins? Those sins were violation of God's holy law. We had to see that we're dead. We couldn't do nothing. I remember that in my conversion. And I seen it. There's nothing I can do. Being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All. He shall save his people from their sins. Not some of their sins. Not in their sins. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us. I mean, natural man doesn't care much for the law. It's against it's against our nature, our sinful nature, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made it a show of them openly triumphing in them in it. Now, this is the time of year that you will have the Easter story and all that to be going on. Well, Christ did rise from the tomb, and I believe that's what it's talking about there. Spoiled principalities and powers, making a show of them openly, triumphing in them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of an holy day or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Anyway, that's all I had.